Sandy, we got Quentin on the line. What do you want to ask him? What lessons would you share with someone who's just getting started in real estate and with the knowledge that you currently have? Uh, one thing I would say is your your why has to be much bigger than the pain that it will take you to achieve that why. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to feel like you're going to have two or three jobs sometimes, especially when you have like a, a young kid. You're going to feel like you're burning the candle at two ends, three ends, even though you only have two. And uh, it's going to take like months of that in order for you to achieve what you want to achieve. The truth is, though, if you can get that, do that for a few years, you can have what most people won't have is the ability to have the flexibility afterwards. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Uh, super excited for today's show. Uh, another one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We have two great people on the line with us right now. Uh, we got Quentin D'Souza and Sandy Patek. So first, we're going to hit Quentin up. And Quentin, welcome to the show, first of all. And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, well thanks, Brian. I, you know, I'm, um, I've been a full-time real estate investor since 2014, but I've been investing in real estate since 2004. Mm-hmm. Really started to scale up. From 2004 to 2008, I had like one property, one investment property. So it doesn't really count, but it was really, you know, just kind of figuring out if this is really what I wanted to do. 2008, mm-hmm. scaled up, buying three or four properties a year. I did a whole bunch of different strategies, rent to own, wholesaling, like mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, 2014, I left my job as a teacher. So I was a public school teacher okay. for 20 years, have a master's in education, was going down the road of being a school administrator, did not do that, decided to take a little break and had uh, two young kids at the time and you know went full time into real estate investing. 2015, I started to uh, purchase apartment buildings after flipping properties for a year. I flipped uh, 12 properties in 12 months with, you know, usually close to six figures on um, each of those. And that was great, but it was a job again. Like I quit a job and then I got a job and it was, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense, but at the time it was like good money wise. Mm -hmm. 2015 focused on the apartment building space, continued to do a couple of smaller properties, but really focused on the bigger ones. And I haven't looked back since. So now we're approaching 400 units in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Ontario, Canada. Price per door is quite high. Uh, rules are very much like California, even worse for mm-hmm. landlord tenant board. But uh, high appreciation. Um, been doing really well with that. Close to 80 million in assets in Canada. Okay. Also uh, involved in the U.S. I have some, a few uh, smaller one to four unit properties in Florida. Mm-hmm. Involved in some um, uh, LPs in uh, the U.S. and looking to expand uh, to get involved as a GP in the U.S. as well. Nice, nice. So, so a couple of things that I like to focus on is the transitions. You know, so. You went from public school teaching and 
you know, potential, you had the potential to be an administrator, which usually comes with, you know, bigger salary and less classroom type stuff. But, you know, what, what was going through your mind? What was your big motivation for going from, you know, that career to real estate full time? Well, you know, I I had done a lot of different things. I was never satisfied with wherever I was at. I I always was taking on consulting roles. I worked for a publisher. I did uh, different things and di- uh, different aspects. Online tutoring before there was such like you know before it was popular, right? Yep. I uh, did a, a number of different um, roles. Had small businesses. Worked on websites, things like that. And then I guess. I found real estate and mm-hmm. when I found real estate, I saw that I didn't have to work as hard and, and get better results. Mm-hmm. And I knew the difference between hourly work and using your mind and being able to put together something and be able to get a return. And when I saw the results of that through investing, I knew that I had found, you know, this is the thing that that makes the most sense for me. And, you know, transitioning from the one to four unit property to the five plus unit property yep. space going into the commercial, that was another shift. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, from, from, you know, working to, to, you know, investing, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a good point. I think it's a point that comes up over and over on this show is, you know, you're, you're, you're exchanging time for money and just, just a question, are teachers as poorly paid in Canada as they are in the U S no, I, I was actually almost, I was on what was called the sunshine list because I also had secondary roles during the summer and did projects. So I was earning six figures as a, as a school wow. teacher. Yeah. I, but I was also a consultant at the board level. So I would actually teach teachers. Okay. So I was doing a, a lot of different things. I was, you know, I had a very f- like full time job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I know a lot. My, my wife actually teaches at an elementary school right now. And, you know, looking at, uh, you know, what she gets for a salary just kind of makes my makes me scratch my head and wonder why anybody would do it in, in a way. But so, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that the next transition was from the, the single family, smaller multifamily to larger stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Walk us through that transition too. what was going through your mind and why did you why did you make that move? Well, I mean, I was using, uh, uh, you would call it the Burr strategy. I was doing it before it had an acronym. I actually wrote a book on it, The Ultimate Wealth Strategy, with a couple of friends of mine. We're, mm-hmm. we're buying properties, fixing them, refinancing them, and, and renting them. And um, and so I had done that back in 2008 before it was cool. And, uh, you know, I had built up enough cash flow that had come from those real estate assets on an ongoing cash flow basis that allowed me to quit my job. Mm-hmm. So I had, you know, I had created the income from that portfolio. I actually probably could have quit my job a year before I did. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I did this kind of like fake quitting job thing. So I was putting money, um, my paycheck into a bank account and using my cash flow for a whole year before I quit my job. So mm-hmm. it's more of a conservative thing for me. I was a little more cautious maybe than I, than I could have been. But it, it worked for me. And then when I quit, I was like, ah, oh, this is okay. And that's when I started to, okay, let's make some big dollars. And I started yeah. to do the the flips. Yeah. I mean, if you're anything like me, I mean, I, I got addicted to my W-2 in a lot of ways, you know, and I, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. I'm on what's called terminal leave right now. So I'm all but retired. But, you know, part of part of the reason I stayed in when I when I reflect on things was 
because of that constant paycheck, you know, the, the fear of losing that constant paycheck. So I, I, I see, you know, the same thing is going through my mind. It's like, can I, can I really live off of my real estate holdings off of my real estate activities? You know? So yeah, I, I think that's, that's smart to do the, uh, let's live off this cash flow for a little bit, see what it looks like. I mean, no. It worked. Yeah. It worked for me. I was, and, and by the way, thank you for your service. That's, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that everybody has to kind of take it at their own pace and how they decide to, to do things. Mm-hmm. It really is something that, you know, um, everybody works at, at a different comfort level. For me, it was lower. Now it's much higher. Like when I'm buying bigger apartment buildings, I have like hard money, you know, like sometimes half a million in hard money that that's on a deal. Like I would never have even been in the right realm of thought, you know, to be able to do that back in 2000 and, you know, 14 or, or 13 even. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, same, same here. I mean, not, I wouldn't have been close to be able to put the money forth either, but I mean, just, just the idea of putting a half a million dollars out hard, you know, before you purchase an asset, I think would have, would have shocked me. Um, I mean, our, our first property, I had, I think, $50,000 on the line, you know, with our earnest money deposit, our first multifamily property, um, you know, so, and that, that was scary for me, you know, it was like, wow, what happens if I lose this? But I mean, long story short, I didn't, and the property is doing well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I think you, you have to grow in to the, the scale, you know, so. One thing that like I, I think about is when I ask my kids what's a lot of money, and like my kids are thirteen and seventeen. Okay, mm-hmm. so my my when I ask my thirteen year old, he tells me fifty dollars is a lot of money, yeah. right? And then when I ask my seventeen year old, he says like five hundred dollars is a lot of money, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know, yeah. it, and it's all really up here, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, until you you know make it or lose it. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a number. It's just another zero on the end of like a, a number in front of it. And yeah. how you think of things and how you're able to scale is getting your mind past that, but also, you know, preparing your business so that you can make those jumps. So have the team around you to help you to do that. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, a couple, couple of months ago, um, for some reason, I, I had to I had to get a lot of cash out of the bank. I don't remember why, but I remember what I did. I had a couple of thousand dollars. I remember what it was. I was buying. We were okay. We were buying a car for my daughter, and you know, I had to have like I think it was a like six thousand dollar you know purchase. And so went to the bank and I got six thousand dollars in cash. And I thought this would be a great teaching moment for the kids. And I let each one of them just hold a stack of cash for as long as they wanted, you know, just, you know, and my idea was I want my kids to not think that $5,000 or $6,000 is an overwhelming amount of money, you know, because in the grand scheme of things, it's not. But I I think even now, a couple months later, if you'd ask them, you know, what's, what's a big amount of money, I I think, you know, my, my six-year-old would probably say $5 and you know, my 10 year old would say 15 and, you know, same as your, your kids too. But uh, um, anyway, that's, that's one thing I'm, I'm trying to do is, you know, help my kids see that, you know, 50,000 or a hundred thousand or half a million in your case, is not an insurmountable you know, amount of money. It, it's, it's more mindset than it is um, actual, you know, a lot of money. So well, that said, one, one thing I'd like to ask everybody, and you've you kind of 
talked a little bit about this, but what is what is your big burning why? What's your motivation for this? I mean, once you've uh, once you've got your financial freedom number, whatever your financial freedom mm-hmm. number is, and and then you start to build on your net worth, which I I find that apartment buildings really help to do. I think then you're really looking at how are you going to impact the world and the people around you as as best you can. So. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I'm, I I like to spend my time. I've, I've written four books. I'm working on a fifth book, uh, perhaps even a sixth book. Um, you know, I take some time with my kids. Like I, I really like. We went white water white water rafting. I, I like like we've mm-hmm. done winter camping. Like we just do lots of kind of neat and different things that are are more experiences that they'll remember for the rest of their lives rather than. You know, like we do, like I go to ball games, like my kids' ball games and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working on having those really nice experiences with them and, and other family members. Um, also, like like helping the people around you, like helping people to bring themselves up, especially those people who want it. I really love seeing that. Like I love yeah. seeing people who are determined to do it. And they like like me, like when we came to Canada, like we came as new immigrants and, you know, we had nothing like we like we lived in the, in the basement of somebody's house for like, I don't know how many months before we found a like a like a not a really great apartment. (laughs) Right. And, but we worked and worked and, you know, the great thing about like our countries is that we have so much opportunity and we have to remember that, that that's Mm -hmm. there and we can take advantage of that. And I love seeing people who are trying to take advantage of that and change, you know, where they came from to where they want to be. And Mm -hmm. so that's like the people that I like to, to work with and help and, you know, put out, different resources and, and, and that sort of thing and hop on a podcast with great people like you so that, you know, can I share that message? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I, I think a lot of people make, you know, try to do the same thing is okay. Now, now that I've hit my number, how can I give back? How can I help others? And, you know, I, I think that's one of the, one of the purposes of, of money is, is to be able to help. I mean, to be able to do things. And I, I really like what you said about the experience with your kids. But uh, um, and incidentally, you know, where, where were you from originally? Uh, I was I was born in uh, the Fiji Islands, right? Okay. But my, my family came from Goa, which is uh, southern India first. Mm-hmm. I was born in Fiji. Then we came to Canada. Okay. So it's uh, it's been quite a, a <clears throat> you know, immigrant's journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and 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 Sandy, uh, just just curious, you're are you also from India? Yes, I am originally from India. I came about fifteen years ago. Okay, all right. Didn't know that when we scheduled this. Uh, yeah, I mean, Quentin, your 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 name does not sound Indian. I would have guessed, you know, D'Souza sounds more Italian, is what I'm well, guessing. My mom was my mom was an English teacher, so she really liked the uh, Harlequin romance novels at the time, and apparently Quentin was a star in one of those novels. <laughs> right. So yeah. There you go. Some yeah. some tidbits you you didn't want to know. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it it happens. We we named uh, our oldest daughter after a character in a movie, so it, it happens. Um, but uh, yeah. So 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 Quentin, what's uh, what's next for you coming up? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to continue to grow the portfolio. Like my target over the next two years is to add another $100 million in assets under management as a general partner. I'd love to kind of see that happen in the U.S. as well because it's such a larger market versus uh, Canada. Yep. But I am you know, looking to grow that, continue to publish books. I, I published the uh, Action Taker Real Estate Investing Planner um, you know, this year. And um, that's available on Amazon, as as is my other books. And, you know, working on, uh, I've got my first kind of quasi-podcast. It's on uh, getrealwealthy.com and, you know, trying to get some some information out on that. And, you know, I just want to continue to make an impact on the people around me and, um, you know, my family, as well as, you know, continue to learn and grow. I, I always feel like I'm, I'm learning, which always pushes me. So, uh, and for me, like starting to do stuff in the U.S. is kind of like starting all over again. I don't know how to describe it because I have to learn new things. I have to figure out financing. And I, I understand the differences and the similarities. And, and there are a lot of differences that I'm, I'm getting used to. And I have to develop a reputation. Like people... Like if you if you asked me in my area, if you were in Ontario and mm-hmm. you, you looked around a little bit, you, you'd probably run into me or, or my name. But, you know, nobody in the U.S. knows me at all. So yeah. it's going to take some time to develop a good reputation, but I'll do it. I have mm-hmm. I have uh, determination and 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 I, and I want to create an impact, you know, and, and I'm going to see you at an event next month, too. So, yeah. you know, this is how you do it. Right. Like it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Get, get to yeah. know other people and establishing your reputation. And that's that's what really works. Um, you know, start building, start building your U.S. portfolio, you know, slowly and surely. I mean, you, you'll definitely get there. And I, I think your your background from what you've done in, in Canada already is going to you know, put you light years ahead of anyone else who's, you know, trying to build their own reputation here. So yeah. um, that said, we're going to shift gears a little bit and uh, bring Sandy on the line. So, Sandy, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, So my name is Sandy Bhattak. I am an IT manager with about 15 years in IT. I Mm -hmm. work for a cloud company, but, uh, you know, I I came to US uh, about 15 years ago to do my master's. And after completing my master's, I fell Mm -hmm. in love with this country and all the opportunities that it can offer. And, you know, it has offered a lot, definitely, for me. I so talking about real estate, I stumbled upon real estate about three months ago. I would uh-huh. say, you know, I never thought of it as a investment where you know you can make money. Uh, yeah. I guess my light bulbs uh, went on when I read a couple of books, primarily the the uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller, and a good one. I think, yeah. And then, you know, it, it immediately had a light bulb effect on me. I was like, you know, I'm investing all this money in real estate, paying all these taxes versus, you know, I can invest money in, uh, sorry, in stock market. I can invest this money in real estate, get tax advantage, and then have that passive income. So, you know, I started reading books. I started reading podcasts, uh, listening to podcasts and, you know, just going through YouTube to understand all these different kind of investments. I think a lot of people they start out with single family homes and then you know they think that you know scale could be a problem and then they eventually get into multifamily if they want to grow their portfolio mm-hmm. i want to skip that step and directly get into multifamily and 
what I'm primarily doing for that is I'm, I'm learning from, you know, industry leaders like yourself, like Quentin, and I'm following all these people. At the same time, I'm also attending some of the meetups. I think uh, your meetup is something on my list. I'll probably mm -hmm. attend next. I went to Univice's meetup. A couple of yep. other meetups uh, have, have been very helpful and grow my, my network. So that's what I'm trying to do. What I want to do now is get into a deal and learn every aspect of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just admin note, your, your audio, it's... Break, breaking up in a couple of spots. Um, if it gets to the point to where we can't understand anything, you know, I'll circle back and ask you to, to repeat something. But, you know, for, for the sure. most part, you know, how it came through, my editor can splice things together. There are a couple of, of small gaps, but, uh, um, okay. but yeah, I mean, it was, it was good enough that, uh, you know, we, we can cut some little gaps out here and there, but, uh, okay. All right. So we're going to kick it back in here, but, uh, um, yeah. So, so, I like what you said about skipping the single family route. You know, I, I think a lot of people go the single family route because they don't know better or they eventually want to get to real estate to, to multifamily. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people whose plan to get to multifamily starts with single family. It's like, well, I want to eventually own an apartment complex. So I'm going to start with a house, yeah. you know, and I think you, you've, you're on the right track. You realize that you don't have to start buying single family. You don't have to start, you know, fixing flipping like a lot of people do, you know, yep. before that light bulb moment. So I think you had the light bulb moment that, you know, both Quentin and I had at one point, you know, before without going through, you know, the, the, the other steps. So, so good on you for that one. Um, Thank you. So question I'd like to ask everybody, um, what's your big burning why? So my biggest reason is uh, I have a two-year-old son and, you know, working in IT, I, I spend a lot of time. It's, it's not really a nine to five job. It's more like eight to seven, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to spend more time with him. I want to be able to enjoy, you know, my time and travel with him and do activities with him. And I, I, I can do that by having a passive income uh, through mm -hmm. real estate. And what I eventually want to do is completely rely on that passive income and uh, someday, you know, not have a W-2 job. Uh, yeah. and I think you, as you mentioned before, W-2 can be very addictive and mm -hmm. it has been very addictive. Uh, you know, losing a job is something that is all in my mind. You know, it's very com competitive in IT. You always have to upskill. So I, I think, you know, taking some of the money that I earned from my W-2 job and then investing in real estate and eventually growing that to a point where I can, you know, not have to work. That's my biggest burning desire. And, you know, spending time with my family, traveling. And what I want to do is eventually help other people mm -hmm. because the biggest and best, uh, you know, thing that I get out of it is when I help others. I have been helping other people in my capacity that I can, right? Uh, either financially or through other means, uh, whatever way I can. But I want to have a much bigger impact uh, than mm -hmm. I currently have. So Absolutely. I can only do that if I am able to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, very, very noble goals there. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've asked that same question, you know, over a hundred times, you know, and, and, you know, family and giving back are, are probably the two most, most repeated uh, things, but uh, um, very well. So Sandy, we got Quentin on the line. What do you want to ask him? Hey, Quentin. All right. I have a lot of questions. 
Okay. So the first one I want to start with is what lessons would you share with someone who is just getting started in real estate and with the knowledge that you currently have? Gotcha. So one thing I would say is your your why has to be much bigger than the pain that it will take you to achieve that why. So um, if your why is that two-year-old, make sure you have pictures everywhere and that you, you drive yourself to, to do that because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to feel like you're going to have two or three jobs sometimes, especially when you have like a, a young kid. You're going to feel like you're burning the candle at two ends, three ends, even though you only have two. Um, and uh, it's going to take like months of that in order for you to achieve what you want to achieve. The truth is, though, if you can get that, do that for a few years, you can have what most people won't have is the ability to have the flexibility afterwards. So, you know, um, that, that why has to drive you. And if it can drive you, then it will help you to get where you want to go. Once you're, once you get to that point, um, you know, it, it becomes so much easier and, and you don't have to be the driver when you're getting into deals. You can jump in as a limited partner on somebody else's deal. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have that conversation with them as a general partner, say, hey, look, listen, I, I want to understand how this works. This is why I want to be involved as a limited partner. I want to help you. Is there something that I can do to help you? I'm not going to take any of the GP part of it, but I'd love to be able to, to help you in any way I can. If, if you can, and also bring a skill, like you have IT skills, bring a skill. Because you'll find people that are GPs that are like they they have some skills, but they don't may not have some other skills that that they could rely on you for. So you know, bring bring with you that those skills, and you'll be able to be to take advantage of the learning part of it, um, even though you're you know an, a limited partner on a deal. Just make sure you're clear to the 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 general partner. Um, exactly what you want to do. Uh, that way, everybody is on the same page going forward. And, and that way you can, you know, take advantage of those, that, that type of an opportunity. Um, the other thing advice I would say is uh, find somebody who's just a couple years ahead of you. Um, rather than somebody who's 20 years ahead of you. So if you find somebody that's a couple years ahead of you, they're going to be willing to share a lot more than somebody that's 20 years ahead. I can tell you that when, when people ask me basic questions, I get really annoyed. And I say, go talk to your lender, go talk to your, you know, <laughs> your property manager, because that's not what like I'm going to be able to help you with. But if you find somebody who's been doing it for a year or two, and you ask them a question, they're just happy that they got it done, and they want to share with you. So if you talk to that person, if you find those type of people in, in any group, that'll help you more than, you know, finding the, you know, the this huge expert in anything, right? Um, so I, I mean, Sometimes I have to check myself because I lose patience <laughs> when when I'm talking to other people because, they, I, you know, I just forget, you know, like this is it's taken a while to get where I am. And it's not that I don't care. It's just that I've, you know, I've probably forgotten more than a lot of people have experienced before. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and and so if you can just find somebody who's just a little bit ahead of you it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's a great advice. Yeah, I, I asked the big burning why question because, you know, that, that was the first part of his answer was make sure your why is bigger than the pain. 
Um, because it was my big burning why that drove me to work, you know, sometimes two or three full-time jobs, as it seemed, um, you know, but that, that's the reason I do the big burning why, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. Um, that that's the one thing that's pushed me through. I would say like from 2008 to 2013, that's how I felt, right. It was five years and it was solid and, you know, but, um, after that it was totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My life was totally different and right. anybody can do it. I, I really believe that anybody can do it. It's just that you have to have them. You know, I, I thought what I thought that mindset was like a foo-foo thing. Like who believes this stuff? You know, like it's like some like it doesn't really exist. It exists. And it is truly something that can help you change who you are and what you do. And, you know, and some people's mindsets are just amazing. I, I get, I, I, I like to talk to people who are successful because the way that their minds work is just so different and, and it, and it inspires me. And like, but the thing is, it's just somebody's thinking. Anybody can do it. The thing is that most people won't, they'll give up. They'll try to, say oh it's not worth it and or they they just just stop because it was too hard right so yep. um you know if you can change your mindset you can make changes to anything like anything in your life like your wealth your health your you know your relationships all of that stuff and and it, you know it's kind of the power of us being human versus like a, a a dog or a cat or you know anything we have the power to do it it's just that we choose it's what our choice is. We choose to or not to. And you have to choose to, and you have to make sure that you push yourself to do it. And you can do anything. You could run a marathon. You could run an Ironman. You can, anybody can do all of this stuff. It's just what we choose, what we choose, and how we choose to do it. That's a great point. Thank you very much. And it is that mindset with which I decided I don't want to jump into a single family. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Into multifamily. And yeah. yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. Great. Uh, okay. So my next question is, what is the most difficult part of uh, multifamily syndication and why? <laughs> All of it? I don't know. Uh, you know what? I, I, I was thinking about, like, I was writing an article on this. Is like, um, you know, if you ever go on Facebook and you see somebody who's run a marathon, usually you see the picture at the end where they're coming through and they're like, ah. Or you see somebody who's bought an apartment complex and you see the picture of the apartment complex and you go, wow. The thing is, that is the tip of the iceberg. That is just the top yeah. of what, you know, that's what Facebook flashes of success look like. But that does not show the the whole iceberg underneath. So you got to work on finding funding and financing. That's all the big pieces of it. And if you can't do those pieces, you need to find a partner that can, you know, my, like I'm good at funding. I'm good at finding funds. I'm good at funding. I'm good at, at finding and I'm good at financing. It doesn't happen all the time, but I also have other people who can do something equivalent to me in those areas in order for us to build something that's bigger than one person could do by themselves. So, you know, if I, I can't say that it's one thing, but you got to work on broker relationships on the finding stuff. Like I send out marketing pieces every week. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I was just talking to a broker not more than an hour ago, telling them about my 
202 unit I closed last July. Why? Because I want him to sell me his next buildings that come up, right? I'm developing these relationships. I'm telling people that I close these buildings. Why? Because it means that they know that I can close, right? I need to develop that relationship on the finding side. On the funding side, I've been working for years, years, developing relationships with people who know, like, and trust me right? Platforms like this can help you, um, you know, getting your name out, uh, running a, like a meetup, uh, putting out marketing, um, you know, writing articles, becoming uh, an expert and known as an expert in your circle of friends, all of that helps you to build that. And then on the financing side, like I, I have a, a financing package that I prepare for, and then I have it ready. I have it all electronically, because you can imagine the amount of documents, leases, everything that I have to have together, it is gigantic, right? But I have it ready to go. Because if I can't get financing with a bank financer, I'm going to bridge lending, I've got a couple of relationships that I've built over the years, and I'm ready to go, right? All of that stuff, you can learn. It's not something I'm not special. Like, I'm a school teacher. (laughs) Like, I'm not like I can like anybody can do this. The thing is, like, remember, we talked about the why is your why going to drive yeah. you hard enough to do it? Are you going to spend the time instead of watching Netflix or you know, listening to, a, a, you know, a, a, you know, music or whatever, you're going to get this stuff done. Right. So you have to drive yourself to do it. But yes, you can do it. And those are some areas that that could help you. Okay. And I think Sorry, I get passionate. I, I no, me. no, it's it's great. Uh, thank <laughs> you for sharing that. And I think it kind of relates to your point that you said uh, it's mindset and your biggest why, right? So th- these two things combined, and then a lot of people they see the success at the end, but they don't see what goes into it. It's a and multifamily is a team sport, and you know it's not a single person can execute it unless you are a very large operator. Mm-hmm. But you need like people who have specialized skills like financing, uh, you know, finding deals and whatnot. Okay, so that's great. That leads me to my next question. So how do you build uh, credibility with broker as a new investor? So I'm a new investor and I'm reaching out to these brokers in the markets that I'm targeting. How do I build credibility? I have not done a deal like you did a deal of. Right. So uh, a couple of pieces is uh, one, as I was mentioning before, you know, start developing a relationship with a general partner and see if you can go to lunch with the general partner to a broker meeting so that you're immediately associating yourself with somebody else who is successful that can help you to introduce that relationship. You want to, you know, see if you can. Uh, The thing is, like brokers get 100 calls like in a week. How do you separate yourself from the last 99 people? Well, do something that's different. Send them something. Talk talk to them differently. You know, um, you know, put put yourself in a different realm for them. Like, what do they like? Learn a little bit about the broker. Find out some information about them. Do you play soccer? Does your kids play soccer? Do their kids play soccer? Find something that you can connect with them so that they can understand and know, like, and trust you so that they, they, that they believe that you're going to be able to close on a deal. The trouble that without having experience is that nobody believes you until you've done it, right? Yep. Like, and as soon as you do it, you gotta let people know. That's why I'm like, we closed these seven buildings. You know, I'm telling people. So until you get to that point, you have to get everything ready so that you can close. So get your 
funding relationships ready. Show that you have funds to be able to close. Talk to uh, financing, uh, your, like financing, um, you know, based on this criteria, this is, the, uh, I'm going to be able to close on a building that looks like this, right? So all of those yeah. things you can do to help add credibility to yourself, to a broker, as mm-hmm. well as build on the relationship. It, it, you know, it's it's said over and over again, but this is not, um, bricks and mortar business. This is a relationship business. Yeah. You know, all the the people that I know, all the successful people are my friends, right? Um, and you you have to build those relationships with the brokers too, because you know if you're not going to market directly to building owners, then and most of the the leads that you're going to get are going to come from brokers anyways, especially if yeah. you're starting out. So you've got to develop those relationships with them, right? Okay. You know, do whatever you can. Buy them dinner, <laughs> buy them lunch. You know, send them something. Send them a really good book that you think will help their business. Mm-hmm. They'll remember, especially if they can put it on their desk and they see it in front of them. They'll remember you, right? Yeah, I when I was trying to get traction with brokers initially, um, I would I would ask them if they wanted to meet me for for lunch or coffee. Okay, and the answer was almost always no. And I knew it would be, but I would follow it up with, hey, I wish we could have connected for coffee. And I would send them, you know, a 10 or a $15 Starbucks gift card. You know, it was, and amazingly, I had a hundred percent response rate for that gift card. You know, when I when I was, you know, trying to get traction, that was more, you know, I I probably had like 20, 25% of brokers call me back if I would leave them a voicemail or send them an email. But the gift card, 100% response rate, got me a phone call with the brokers every single time. And just recently, I met a new broker. And when I called him, um, he was on the golf course and he happened to answer the phone. So I went down same day, went down to the sporting goods stores. I don't golf. All right. I bought a box of balls that I thought were good quality balls based on the price tag. They're good quality balls. Put them in an envelope and send it to them. And guess what? That got a callback, you know? So I, I think, you know, doing what you can to stand out is more than, I mean, part of it is, you know, exactly what Quentin said. You have to be a, a viable buyer. You have to have your ducks in a row. You have to show the brokers that you can close on a property. But the other half is you have to also stand out from the crowd, you know? So it, it's a little bit of both, you know, standing out from the crowd it involves, you know, get creative with that you know, figure out your way to stand out. Like I said, for me, it was at first Starbucks gift cards. And now I'm trying to do a little more personalized type stuff. Like, oh, I see you're a golfer, you know, well, you know, here's a dozen golf balls, you know, think of me next time you're on the golf course and he will, he'll open up that golf, he'll open that up and he'll think of my name. So um, that said, we are about out of time. So one last question for each of you, Quentin, you go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Uh, so if you want to get in touch with me, the best way is probably on uh, Twitter or Instagram at QMANREI, or you can email me at Quentin, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N at GetRealWealthy.com, or you can take a look at the podcast at GetRealWealthy.com. All right. Awesome. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Um, Sandy, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Thank you. Uh, so they can get in touch with, with me through LinkedIn. Uh, they can search my name, Sandeep Patak, 
or they can find me on Instagram. Also, it's Sandy Patak underscore, or they can email me uh, Sandy Patak six at gmail.com. All right. Sounds good. And we'll put links to, to all of that in the show notes as well. So if you're looking to get in touch with either of these two fine gentlemen, you know, grab your phone, tap, swipe, tap, and that magical internet thing will whisk you away. So there we go. So thanks so much to both of you for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.